The Cannabis Conversation. A European perspective on the emerging legal cannabis industry. Welcome to the Cannabis Conversation with the New Society, where we explore the new legal cannabis industry by speaking to the professionals that are helping to shape it. On today's show, we have Leah Fletcher. Leah is founder of Arbutus Innovation Centre and Didanu Wellness, which are two cannabis businesses based in Ireland, which we'll find out a bit more about in a second. Welcome, Leah. How are you? Grace, thanks a million for having me. No, really glad to have you on the show. We've got a few things to talk about today, but... Uh, yeah, why don't we start with the usual place and tell us a bit about yourself. How did you get into the cannabis industry, what you did before, etc.? Yeah, I accidentally ended up in the cannabis industry. <laughs> it's not something I had planned or envisaged. It was just one of these things. I was actually an educator in Canada for about seven years. And previously to that, I was working in Ireland. I started slowly doing some consultancy work for different companies. Uh, my interest was in patient access and particularly patient access in my home country in Ireland. I saw the Canadian industry start to take off and recognize that people in Canada had access to cannabis. Meanwhile, over in Ireland, there were very sick children um, with particular diseases that weren't able to access various types of cannabis and cannabinoids. So I started doing some patient advocacy and lobbying work in Ireland, flying back and forth from Vancouver to Dublin, met with a number of ministers and politicians and senators to discuss cannabis, realised then that needed to get involved kind of on the industry side of things to push it along. And the way that we saw that was through research, which is why we established the Innovation Centre in Ireland. And that's the long and short of it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, why don't you tell us a bit about Arbutus and then you've got sure. another business as yeah. well. So what we did was we went on the hunt for infrastructure and facilities in Ireland that would be able to accommodate research in the cannabis space. And we have put together systems and uh, building in the centre of Ireland in a town called Athlone, where I'm from. It's a pharmaceutical building, GMP ready labs and manufacturing space, controlled drug licences. And it's fairly agile, so it allows for us to take different projects under our roof and service them and expedite them, helping them get to market. And one of the projects that we have is actually my project and a bit of my, my passion project is Dodanu, which is hemp-focused cosmetics and low-input agriculture and circular manufacturing focus. So a lot going on, but they all <laughs> help each other out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are certainly very busy. <laughs> yeah. And how long has Didanu been going for? Or how long has Arbutus Yeah, been so Arbutus was really born while we were still in Vancouver and Vancouver as our base for a little while just to get to know both jurisdictions and how we could support maybe Canadian and Americans trying to get into Europe. So a lot of networking, a lot of work in uh, consulting for Canadian companies. We officially moved over and started working on our building a year ago. And at the same time, we started working on Dodanu and working where we could in the cannabis space in Ireland, which was in hemp and hemp derived products. Yeah, cool. And can, can I ask where you get the name Dodanu from? 
Sure. Danu is an Irish goddess. And if you know Irish folklore and we love our stories and lots of gods and goddesses were born in Ireland, Danu is said to be the mother of all the gods and goddesses and the mother of a group of warriors called Tuha the Danann. And they were these really strong uh, warriors. And um, she's said to have breastfed all the other gods and goddesses to life. So, <laughs> De Danu means <laughs> that we're family of Danu, that we, yeah, that we kind of represent everything that she represents, you know, respect for nature and respect for its plants and close relationship with the earth. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good, <laughs> good starting point for us. And as you, I think you mentioned, you know, <laughs> cosmetics is a, yeah. is a key part of what you're doing. Yeah. I'll just add that the, the reason we went into cosmetics was we wanted farmers in Ireland to be able to grow hemp. And when we looked at it, the regulatory issues were so vast. There was very narrow focus that you could actually work in. Hemp-derived oils and extracts were grey. Um, processing the flour for food was grey. But cosmetics, both from a regulatory standpoint and from consumer standpoint, seemed the most realistic way to go about things. Consumers in Ireland would be quite, for the most part, anti-cannabis and are only beginning to learn about its benefits. And we thought that looking at cosmetics and transdermal applications would be something that people could take a little bite off first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and which great. Uh, we can go on and talk about that stuff in a minute, yeah. actually, because I've done over 70 episodes now and we've never really covered cosmetics or topicals. Oh, so. really? Yeah, so it's well, well overdue to, to yeah. sort of have a bit of a 101 on this. So and great to have you here to talk about that. And so maybe we just start very basically, you know. Yeah. What are the different types of sort of cannabis cosmetics and topicals that are available? Yeah, well, we've seen um, anything from creams and lotions, oils, bath bombs, transdermal patches, personal lubricants. I've seen CBD treatments for eyelashes and eyebrows. Don't know how efficacious <laughs> those are. But basically anything that you can put CBD in and have a carrier, I've seen on the market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. And, and shampoos is what I think of. I've seen, yeah, shampoos and conditioners in Main Street stores, actually. I've seen them in TK Maxx and places like that. I don't know the bioavailability of CBD in your shampoo <laughs> um, or in a bath bomb for that matter, but they clearly sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and, and just, and how, how do they work? So obviously you put them on mm. your skin. It's quite a lot of stuff to get through to get to your bloodstream. Yeah, well, earlier studies from what we have researched we're showing that CBD doesn't absorb into your skin. But over the last number of years, they've recognized that transdermal administration or putting it onto your skin or topically, it's actually at times can be better um, for bioavailability purposes. So it can avoid the first pass metabolism effect that's associated with taking oral cannabinoids. And what it does is Transdermal application allows for a steady absorption of those cannabinoids into your system. 
initially it was thought that the CBD only sat on the skin and absorbed into the cells in the skin. But there is research out there showing that it does and can have a whole body effect um, and therefore have, you know, positive impact on people with arthritis, um, chronic pain, neuropathy. So it's very interesting. And the studies are starting to mount up and getting a bit more robust. Yeah. Yeah. And is, is localized delivery one of the kind of aims of it? So both studies are shown, obviously, yes, localized applications are effective for the likes of acne, psoriasis, dermatitis, eczema. But we're also seeing studies and are from our own research and from our, our own um, tests and our consumers that people are reporting to <laughs> have, you know, experience where their arthritis or inflammation is improved with this topical application. Wow. So it's quite interesting. We we did before we went down the road of investing in infrastructure and manufacturing and just throwing something on the market. We hired some uh, skincare professionals and occupational therapists to look at our formulations. We then took two of our products. Uh, they were CBD based salves and we did case studies. So the first case study was taking and they were small. They're, they're not as robust as we would like them to be. And we intend to build on those studies. But we took 20 people who suffered from psoriasis and we followed them over an eight week period. And we had an occupational therapist assess them before, during and after that that period of time. And the results were way better than we expected. I think we had 18 out of 20 of the psoriasis patients report that the psoriasis was at least 50% improved. And there's better figures than that that the, the study can show. And then the other 20 people that we gave a product to, they were suffering from arthritis and similar reports where they saw positive effect from using it. But what was most interesting to me was uh, one or two of the psoriasis patients had arthritis and inflammation and psoriasis and arthritis tend to, to go hand in hand. Those people reported that their arthritic or their uh, inflammation from arthritis had improved because wow. of the topical application for their psoriasis. So obviously very early studies and more would need to be done, but we were very happy with the results. And obviously those people are asking for the products again. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's quite good. Well, that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Any, yeah. any other interesting things that came out of the study? Yeah, what we noticed as well is the usual side effects that would be associated with topical treatments for psoriasis weren't noted. So what patients would generally, patients would have a steroid treatment, which actually thins the skin um, and it can have adverse side effects. But from our small study, and I'll keep saying it was a small study, um, there weren't any side effects noted. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So that, and they're two kind of different applications i suppose because mm -hmm. the psoriasis and the skin issues are sort of you know you're it's very much sort of on the surface let's say i'm sure yes. there's stuff going underneath yes but with arthritis and pain is is obviously a little bit further deeper down and yeah. it seems to be affecting both yeah it, it does so obviously the cannabinoids are getting in there and having an influence and in 
you know, interacting with those receptors. And there are early studies to show that cannabinoids and, and the use of cannabis topically is interacting with non-cannabinoid receptors as well. So I suppose studies will show and, and the more people that have access to these products, then we'll see people being having positive reports. So it's quite exciting to be involved in it. But yeah, and if you looked at the other side of it, which is interesting that's starting to take off as well, which would be the beauty side of it. So for skincare for, you know, anti-wrinkle or, you know, inflammation on the skin or anti-aging, though that's starting to be of interest to consumers as well. So there's kind of two ways to look at, at skincare and CBD and cannabinoids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the sort of wellness versus medical, uh, not versus, yeah. but... Well, it's kind of, no, there's, there's more the, you know, uh, skincare beauty. There, there's the wellness and then the medical would be another step. Like I've seen a couple of studies. For example, I think it's in the States. I've seen a study on, I think it's a rodent based study where they showed they measured the dosage. So the milligrams per dose that was applied and they noted that there was positive effects at about 6.2 milligrams. Um, and despite they upped the dose and up the dose, got to 62 milligrams in this study and it didn't show any extra benefits. So it's not, it's people are saying I have a thousand milligrams of CBD in my product. Therefore, it's better than the product that has 300 milligrams. That is not the case. And studies are showing that as well. Just because there's more doesn't mean it's going to be better. So there's studies out for that. There's studies out for topical applications for medical applications for cancers. Um, cannabidiols for cancers, um, glaucoma, um, and there's an early study in the States, um, uh, that's showing great results preclinical for epilepsy. So, um, drug resistant epilepsy and Dravet syndrome, topical application and fragile X syndrome as well. So there's a couple of preclinical studies that are showing, you know, that they, they could go somewhere for those kind of diseases. Wow. That is, that is big. Wow, yeah, lots to go into there. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, look, in, in, in terms of methods of delivery for topicals, mm-hmm. obviously you aren't putting pure cannabinoids yeah. on there. So what sort of non-cannabis agents are you using to sort of assist the delivery or you know, yeah. help it get through the skin to the right places? So for us, we're at Dodanu, we only use plant-based materials. So our carrier oils are either fractionated coconut oil, almond oils. We have, we use beeswax as well because beeswax is important to maintain stability of those products, but only plant-based. So we're trying not to use synthetic ingredients in our products. We also use herbal extracts and essential oils in some of our products. They may have similar therapeutic benefits to cannabinoids. So we try and match up our ingredients with what would be most, what would support CBD and its efforts in helping your skin. Yeah. So it's, um, for us, that's what we use, but we've, there's obviously other things on the market, but generally it's products that are high in, uh, fat that would be able to carry those products and help them absorb into the system. Right. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And what it, sorry, what is fractionated <laughs> coconut, coconut oil? Coconut oil. So generally, when you see a CBD oil on the market, it's generally uh, CBD, well, it can be CBD in fractionated coconut oil, and that's just a processed coconut oil, and it's high in fats. So because it's high in fat, it helps the CBD absorb into your system. Mm -hmm. 
and it's it's often it's used in in many skincare products. You can buy it over the counter just as a, a food fractionated coconut oil. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And I think you talked about some of the ailments it's useful. So, you know, I was quite surprised that you said that epilepsy is one of them. I suppose you talked about it at the beginning. You know, when you were looking at various things, and this area was more interesting because it's slightly different regulatory issues. And I suppose that's mm-hmm. because you're not you're not ingesting it, which which I yeah. suppose the authorities deem as, a, as, as sort of a higher risk area or one that they don't understand fully. What are the ones surrounding cosmetics and, and skincare? Yeah, it's a different framework to the food. Obviously, uh, cosmetics manufacturers don't have to re- report to the European Food Safety or here it's the Food Safety Authority. But there's some issues and there's there's some difficulties in the supply chain. But I'll work backwards. So to register a product in Europe, you need to go onto a European database for cosmetics. And what's happened over the last number of years is things have chopped and changed. You haven't been allowed to do something and then you're allowed to do it and then you haven't been allowed again. So it's quite difficult from a cosmetic standpoint because your formulations are important and you put a lot of work into your formulations and a lot of testing and stability testing so for them to change what kind of type of ingredient you can use is is quite it's quite challenging so you have to register on that database and what happened this year is there was finally some clarification on what exactly we could use or couldn't use with regards cannabis and hemp and cannabinoids so right now there is a framework in place for cosmetic manufacturers and formulators to use and it's quite straightforward at this point but as you work your way back through the supply chain that's where there may be issues so in order to obtain european uh, cannabinoids that are extracted in europe it can be quite difficult there is difficulty from a farmer's standpoint ideally we want to be sourcing our product in ireland because we we want to be using less carbon we don't want to be importing bulk materials across oceans to get here so there still needs to be some regulatory work done at a european level for european companies to be able to use european ingredients mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's there's a lot of that stuff going yeah. around yeah, yeah. Uh, what's happening on a european regulatory level yeah and and what are what are potential safety concerns around this well Around CBD use, uh, safety concerns in skincare would be the same as any other safety concern in a cosmetic or a topical. Generally, in Europe, the standard is that all of your products have to be notified on a European database. Your products need to be uploaded into that database. Uh, you need to have your manufacturing processes in place and your manufacturing should be to GMP standard. You should have your batches, you should have recall procedures, you need to have safety data sheets for all your ingredients and everything needs to be filed and and monitored. So the safety issue would be the same as any other cosmetic in that you need to follow those procedures to make sure that any consumer is able to go back to that company and be assured that everything was put together uh, safely and, and with the correct processes in place. With regards safety of CBD topically, Studies are showing that there aren't any adverse side effects to using that, that topically. In fact, the studies are showing that there's side benefits to having CBD. So you might use CBD, as I said, for your psoriasis and maybe the pain in your knee could go away. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, is it likely to be a topical is going to be affected by the 
potential designation as a narcotic by So, interestingly, no. Initially, they had said CBD couldn't, couldn't be used in Europe on cosmetics, but CBD isn't mentioned in the convention for the narcotics. And in Ireland, CBD isn't mentioned in our Drug Control Act. So the flowering tops of the plant controlled, and THC controlled extracts from those flowering tops controlled, but isolated CBD not controlled. So, yeah, that's the, the, the quick synopsis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's very much a kind of moving face, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. things are changing. But yeah, thank you for that. Okay, so as we come sort of towards the end, what, what are the sort of main challenges in this area? I mean, I think we talked about some of them in terms of regulatory moving of goalposts. The challenges, yeah, m- moving goalposts for sure. The challenges would, for, well, for me, from an industry standpoint, would be from a cultivation standpoint, uh, starting at the very beginning What's extremely important, especially in Ireland, is we need better cultivars and strains. So access to cultivars right now, we need to abide by the cultivars that are available to us through the OECD list. Those cultivars may not be the best for growing in Ireland. So we we need to be able to access other strains that may have an improved chemistry level or output, or perhaps we would need less inputs or it could make harvesting better, easier for farmers. From there in Ireland, (laughs) there's very few supports for companies that want to work in the hemp cannabis space. Right now, our enterprise body came out with a policy recently that any companies involved in food or cosmetics with cannabinoids or hemp is excluded from any government supports. So it's quite difficult for companies to find their feet. And then moving on from there, the difficulties as you know, a manufacturer of these products, there's different regs in different jurisdictions. So obviously your formulations may have to change depending on the jurisdiction that you want to export to. And it works both ways. So I've noticed a, a few American companies that maybe have hemp-derived um, cosmetic products trying to get registered in Europe and having difficulty because perhaps their formulations don't fit in with what the the regs require here in Europe. So there's a couple of hurdles. That's probably 20% of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, harmonization is a massive, or lack of harmonization is a massive barrier to global trade in this area, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And, you know, in Ireland, we have an opportunity here to be, you know, leaders in the, the production of those starting materials. The agricultural sector here is strong um, with a great history. A massive chunk of our land is certified organic, which would be, you know, what, what, what people are, are wanting. But just the, the lack of regulations and support from government entities is holding people back. Yeah. 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 Hopefully things will move on soon. But on a more positive note, let's do a bit of crystal ball gazing. Looking okay. to the future, what what are the exciting areas in of innovation in cosmetics and topicals? I'd say I'd go back to those three different. I'm going to say three different parts of the puzzle. I'll start with the first, which would be topicals or transdermal applications being applied to medical treatments, and those studies come into fruition for say the the epilepsy or arthritis or psoriasis whatever it may be as those studies come about people will recognize those benefits 
on a larger scale. And, you know, it's funny once those, once those come to fruition, I, I think that the stigma associated with cannabis and its compounds is going to dissipate. Then with the second one for health and wellness, I think when people recognize the power in hemp as a carbon sink and recognize that using hemp and its compounds and its extracts is actually going to help your environment rather than hinder it, we're going to see a lot of people move away from synthetic compounds in their cosmetics and towards compounds that are plant-derived. So that's what I think. There's a movement towards that already. We're seeing it. We're seeing consumers, you know, make sure and check with us that we don't have synthetic products, that everything that we have is plant-based. So it's quite interesting. And then the last one, I suppose, would be the kind of over-the-counter, but say wellness products. So people buying topicals for psoriasis and um, chronic pain we're probably going to see an awful lot more of that as products get regulated and you know they're, they're on the shelves legitimately mm. yeah mm. lots to come yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool thank you well that's really good kind of summary on topicals and cosmetics and you know it's a big area and there's there are lots of products out there but it's good to see you guys taking a very plant-based approach to it i'll finish with my my usual final question which is what did your parents say when you told them you were moving into the <laughs> cannabis industry? <laughs> what did they say? Jeez. I think they, my mother thought I was crazy. And my dad was cool about it because the first person I ever made a topical for was my dad, who has chronic psoriasis. Right. And it got rid of it. So, ah. And he actually works with us now. So. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a great story. Uh, and you can't argue with efficacy, I suppose. So that's uh, this is it. This is it. It's brilliant. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, Leah. That's been really. Uh, it's been great to find out more about that stuff and what you guys are up to. Um, and love to have you back on in a six months or so, and we can chat about how things are progressing. Sure. Thanks for having me. Cool. Likewise. Take care. Thanks for joining me for that. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy it, please hit subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use. I'd also love a nice five-star review on iTunes if you have the time. You can also follow the Cannabis Conversation page on LinkedIn and also sign up to my mailing list via cannabis-conversation.com. Until next week, have a good one.